You are tuned in to a fireside chat with Zany Mystic. Join us now on another exciting metaphysical journey. Relax, tune in, drop out, and take a seat by the fire as we explore new realms and possibilities. This is Magenta Pixie. You can find me at magentapixie.weebly.com. But now, here is Zany Mystic and guest. Enjoy the show. Greetings, and welcome to a fireside chat with the Zany Mystic. I'm your host, Lance White. Tonight, my guest is Raymond Andrew Keller II, also known as Cosmic Ray. He's an award-winning author who has garnered international acclaim for his uh, trilogy called Venus Rising, Venus Rising Trilogy. He has been actively involved in extraterrestrial research since 1967 living and working in 44 different countries, writing about UFOs and paranormal activity. Ray also established the Outer Space International Research and Investigation Society, otherwise known as OSIRIS, in 1986, and has conducted numerous excursions to UFO hotspots um, throughout the world, communicating directly with extraterrestrials on many occasions. The first book in the trilogy is Venus Rising, a concise history of the second planet, which reveals the complex facets of Venusians who look almost exactly like us and have infiltrated human society in all nations and have been visiting Earth since so about prehistoric times. Book two is titled The Final Countdown, Rockets to Venus, That brings to life some of the most fascinating and enigmatic people behind the scenes of paranormal activities, such as the uh, psychic Maria Orsic and the Vril Society in Germany. It includes never-before-seen classified documents from the files of military and space agencies that clearly reveal that the powers that be have known about intelligent life in outer space for much longer than they were ever going to reveal and still have not. Book three of the Venus Rising Trilogy is a concise history of the second planet titled Cosmic Ray's Excellent Venus Adventure. Filled with mind-bending stories and encounters with Venusians in flying saucers who are monitoring atomic blasts in the desert. A Canadian defense minister spills the beans about Venusians and other aliens living and working among us and mentions Cosmic Ray traversing the mysterious Dimension X with the Queen of Outer Space. Chapter 5 is very interesting in that third book of the series. It's titled Paradise, California, which sheds a blast of illumination on the mysteries surrounding the recent fires that some say were controlled by directed energy weapons. Each book is a gem in its own right, and a jewel of a find for those seeking the underlying truths behind a thinly veiled facade. You can find out more on Ray's website at www.venusconcisehistory.com. So let's welcome Ray to our show now and see what he has to say. (laughs) Hi, Ray. How are you? Hi, hi, Lance. It's a privilege to be on your program. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, I feel the same way about you. Um, when, uh, 
there are so many stories that could be a segue off of that, but uh, let's get right to you. And how did you how did you get to be Cosmic Ray? I think people huh. would enjoy hearing that. <laughs> okay, it it all began with a uh, close encounter with the flying saucer um, back in 1967 in the summer of 1967, and uh, I have a an article uh, that uh, well, Gray Barker, uh, the, the famous ufologist, UFO investigator of the uh, the um, Flatwoods Monster and everything, he has a collection in uh, Clarksburg, West Virginia, and I found a, a newspaper clipping from um, from his. He has a whole file about me going back to the 1960s. Wow. But here's a uh, an article. Um, that a- appeared in the National Enquirer <laughs> over 50 years ago. And um, let's see if I can. It's in, uh, it's in book number two, The Final Countdown Rockets to Venus. Okay. I and um, are we also, um, are we going uh, a visual or is this audio only? Uh, audio only. Oh, oh, okay. I'll just, uh, I'll just read a portion, portion of it. Yeah, please. That, that's it right there. If you could see it. And, um, it's a sighting UFO sparks two teenagers into publishing flying saucer magazine by Silig Adler on the December 14th, 1969 ed- ed- edition. And it has a picture of me, uh, and a friend that we, published these flying saucer magazines uh, called the flying saucer report and uh, we traded uh, publications and information with uh, Gabriel Green, uh, Gray Barker, Jean Duplantier up in Canada, Coral and Jim uh, Lorenzen, Dr. James E. McDonald, uh, Earl J. Neff of the Cleveland Ufology Project and, and many other uh, leading lights of the UFO universe uh, during that time. Hmm. Well, now, <clears throat> um, you have focused a, a lot on Venus, and uh, I'm wondering how you came to know so much about Venus. Was there a particular spot that uh, the activities were going on in that was uh, conducive to visits from Venusians and to be able to converse with them. I, um, yes, I, uh, I led the OSIRIS group that you mentioned before. We had uh, 7,500 members worldwide and 14 chapters wow. and published an actual tabloid newspaper format that came out, uh, every month. We started off with just an offset, pre- uh, uh, press, but had over 200 uh, consecutive monthly issues. This, this all pre-internet, uh, mm. uh, t- times. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, you know, if you really wanted to know about UFOs, uh, you really had to seek, <laughs> seek it out. And there were just, uh, you know, a few clubs and publications out there that, uh, that, that were accessible. Maybe a couple U- UFO magazines on the newsstand, but, uh, but mostly, uh, Local fanzines, I guess you could call, mm-hmm. um, 
the new millennial star fanzine because these were people that were really deep into ufology and UFO contacts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, uh, we held uh, we held uh, a monthly meetings uh, in the uh, house of one of our members in in uh, Murray, Utah, <clears throat> and uh, uh, we we didn't have a, any particular uh leader per se because we all took turns in doing presentations and so forth mm. but uh, kind of our spiritual guide and mentor uh was Reverend Clayton Parker he he was a friend uh of a uh of a woman uh from uh, from childhood uh, from American Falls Idaho by the name of Annalise Scarron she was a great uh, spiritual leader and a mystic in her own oh. uh, in, in, in her own right, but she taught Clayton, uh, many things and, and, um, Clayton had witnessed her translation or, uh, I guess we'd call it today, uh, an ascension, um, to, uh, to Venus on Mount Shasta. But oh. uh, anyway, he, he had told us that, um, uh, he could take us on a, um, expedition to Mount Shasta, uh, where we could, um, where we could meet uh, an ascended master. So we, uh, we launched this expedition and a lot of synchronicities happened along the way. We met a lot of people that, uh, that, uh, gave us every indication we were on the right path and doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we got to, um, this was right after the harmonic convergence and we got to, uh, uh the base of Mount Shasta with our caravan of cars. And then, um, uh, Clayton, uh, he made these kind of sunglasses, uh, these kind of glasses with these pinholes, mm-hmm. uh, all throughout. They were dark, just a dark lens. And then it had all these pinholes and he would look at the, the sun directly at the sun. And he said he could, um, he could see various, uh, various ascended masters and extraterrestrial guides from, from higher dimensions up up there that they would um, um, telepathically communicate with him and um, he said that uh, we were definitely going to meet an ascended master uh, if we followed this this path up the mountain that he indicated to us from from the parking lot but he said he he couldn't go um, he couldn't go with us uh, he was a, uh, 87 years old at that at that time, but, but, um, so we, um, we started hiking up there and, uh, we, we were, um, gone for, um, um, maybe over an hour, but we were getting, getting tired because we were just going up and, and, uh, we were already just past the tree line, um, to a boulder strewn area and, uh, we sat down at the uh at the base of these rocks where there was a fountain of water coming out and uh just to get a a, a drink and before we proceeded we thought well we'll have to go all the way to the, the top and it even though it was august it was still snow capped up there <clears throat> and um a woman materialized uh in front of us and she was um, very very beautiful uh looked just maybe a little older than a teenager or maybe um, 18 or 19 years old, 20, maybe 24 at the max. 
uh, she had the appearance of being a, a young a young woman, and uh, she was um, uh, dressed in a in a white jumpsuit with a gold braid, and she just appeared in a column of light. Wow. And um, she she told us that um, she knew who we were and and uh, why we were there, and she was going to answer our questions about flying saucers. So oh. we, we were there for we were there for the longest time, maybe about three hours, and and um, everyone in everyone in our party had questions uh, uh, for for her. There were five others beside myself, mm. and um, she said that uh, that the Venusians had a colony on the, a planet called Balaton in the Sirius star sector. Mm-hmm. And uh, that this this planet was about uh, three times the size of the Earth, mm. um, so so it was a kind of super Earth, uh, wow. but it had uh, two thirds land, mostly mountainous terrain, and only about a third water. But the water was uh, uh, unlike our seas that are salty; that theirs was um, uh, very very pure. And uh, the the native inhabitants of the of the world were these. Um, Mantis beings, they're like five to fifteen feet. They they range in uh, in height. Uh-huh. And she said, if we looked up at the side of the mountain, we'd be able to to see them um, uh, with our spiritual eyes. So uh, you know, at this time, uh, we would believe anything because of of her spectacular um, apparition uh, among our among our group. And we did see that we did see them, the mantids. And she said that, uh, they, they guarded the stargates that connect to, um, connect to the, um, the great central sun at the core of our galaxy by, uh, tunnels of light called Luosi. Mm. And, uh, um, she said that we were at the, at the time simultaneously on Balaton and, um, uh, and Mount Shasta, that that we were standing in the in a bilocation signal um, that was forming an, an energy vortex on the spot where uh, where we were standing, and um, she explained how um, how on the um, uh, on uh, uh, Balaton that the uh, uh, the society was organized along matriarchal lines that. Um, the women communicated uh, telepathically with the uh, with the mantids by uh, placing their left hand on the forehead of the uh, of the mantids and would let them know anything um, they wanted to know and open the stargates and send them wherever wherever and whenever um, they 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 wanted to travel. And I thought this was this this was really uh, astounding. Um, she said, explained so much, and uh, I, I tried to put most of it there in that last chapter of, uh, of uh, Venus Rising, a concise history of the second planet. Uh, but anyway, um, Kay Studstrup, whose, ho- whose house we met at, she uh, asked if she could take pictures of, um, of Lady Ankara uh, with our group. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, she's agreed to that. <clears throat> and so we all huddled around her and uh, 
took some nice pictures before she de- departed in much the same manner that she she appeared. And um, when we got back to uh, uh, when we got back to Utah to Murray, Utah is a suburb of Salt Lake City. We went to a one-hour photo mat and uh, took the pictures there, and um, she wasn't in the in the picture. Oh. And um, Clayton said, "Well, uh, that's because uh, um, she was from a, a lighter density of a um, uh, of a high uh, with a higher vibrational level, so her molecules were not uh, as dense." Uh, her molecular structure was not as dense as uh, uh, as as our own, and so she just became, uh, you know, transparent um, uh, to um, uh, as far as cam- at least as far as cameras and photographs go. Mm. So this um, this was um, uh, the first really um, intimate encounter. I mean, I ex- I had experienced encounters with individuals before who uh, who claimed to be uh, extraterrestrials. Uh, I was a good friend of Gabriel Green, and uh, he was the uh, um, he was once upon a time a candidate for president in 1960, and Daniel Fry was his vice presidential, and uh, Bobby Kennedy was a, a member of uh, his group. I had a card there. I saw Bobby Kennedy's card and his membership application in, in Gabe's house. But he, he ran a group called Amalgamated Flying Saucer Clubs of America, uh, of which I was a, a, a proud early member. Interesting. Well, now, <clears throat> at some point, you were able to uh, uh, ride in the ships as well. And uh, I was wondering if you might uh, say something about that and also about the culture and the differences between the Venusian um, uh, living situation and why uh, did you ever find out their um, intentions on uh, infiltrating, infiltrating, uh, in, <laughs> incarnating or coming to Earth to live uh, because they look so much like us? Oh, yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, let's take the first question about the about the uh, about the ships. They do have um, they do have a physical appearance uh, when they're uh, when they're in our in our atmosphere, and um, they are um, uh, mechanical in 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 one sense, but ethereal in in another sense. Mm. On the mechanical side, um, they operate uh, along electromagnetic lines of flux, which are in our own atmosphere uh, or in the vicinity of uh, of the mother ships from which they deploy the huge those huge carrier ships ah. that are in orbit and travel between um, be, between the, the planets. Um, they uh, uh, there's, there's basically um, well, there's four kinds. You have uh, you have uh, the huge carrier ships. Uh, you have these Saturn class um, uh, vessels, like the one that crashed at Aztec, New Mexico. That's uh, almost about a hundred feet a- a- across, 
and um, then you have um, you have these smaller um, these smaller saucers uh, about 50 feet across that are that are called ventlas or swoops. Um, mm-hmm. they, they make like a like a swooping pendulum type mo- movement when when they're in the atmosphere. And then you have uh, uh, these in individual transport devices um, that are called a, a, a nimbus. It's a, it's a type of orb that's, hmm. that uh, it encases you and uh, you can fly. You, you don't um, you know you don't feel it around you. It's a, it's actually like um, like you're flying. You know, like you're one of some kind of comic book superhero. So it's really cool. Hmm. That sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, were there any other fun devices on the ships that uh, they uh, might have taken pride in showing you? Oh, um, yes, there are um, the uh, other sentient beings that inhabit Venus, and the Venusians are not originally uh, indigenous to Venus. They come from a planet called Norca, which is in the Tau. Tau Ceti star system. Oh, okay. And um, uh, a, a, countless uh, countless aeons ago, there was uh, a desertification of uh, of their planet, and they had to seek uh, they had to seek a new home. And uh, they journeyed. Uh, they um, uh, they built um, they built starships and and be, uh, began a long arduous journey through uh through through outer space um to re- to reach our solar system when uh, they uh, uh came to to venus and uh it was um uh inhabited by uh, uh these very large uh, uh bees like we have on earth but but much bigger like um about you know about 5 feet um, so they had to ask permission of the the bees if they could settle on that world. So they were given a a region near the uh, North Pole of Venus for the, for their settlement. And um, uh, I explain all about that also in uh, in these Venus books. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And what's unusual about these books is that they're all so different. <clears throat> oh yes, well they're all um, they're all uh, beautifully illustrated. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. There's over a hundred photos in each one, uh, and um, they have uh, an abundance of footnotes. I think, uh, like in the first one, there's uh, over six hundred footnotes, and so anybody that has any doubts or questions about uh, anything that's written uh, in the Venus book can just um, check it out uh, by following the footnote. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <clears throat> well, now, what are some of the, this Dimension X and the Queen of uh, the Queen of Venus? Is it uh, or the Queen of the Universe? Uh, no, there are many. Um, uh, you can imagine just in our galaxy alone there's um uh there's over a uh, hundred million stars and so that means about a hundred million solar systems as well and 
and countless more planets uh, revolving around all those um, all those other stars or suns. Um, so um, uh, there are countless uh, uh, confederations and federations of uh, uh, of light and spacefaring uh, civilizations that uh, that are out there. It's a whole galactic neighborhood. It kind of looks like. Um, um just um but an, an endless array and and uh, to testify of that um in the gnostic gospels um there's an account where um um Jesus was explaining to uh, his disciples that mm. uh, uh, that the universe was so vast and inhabited by so many celestial beings or what we would refer to as angels, that he did, he himself didn't even know the end of it. Hmm. Wow. Well, um, so uh, if the Venusians have been incarnating or coming to Earth since uh, prehistoric times, uh, there should be quite a few of them here by now, wouldn't you think? Uh, uh, well, kind of- yes, there, well, there are. There's uh, about... Um, about seven to ten thousand on the earth at uh, uh, at any time. Uh, that that number has been augmented a, a lot, though, since um, the dawn of the atomic and space ages. So once we develop the capability of uh, of uh, at- atomic power, and then w- we came to understand how to build rockets and delivery systems to take that energy uh, into outer space for uh, for good or evil they realize that um, that uh, this is going to be a great cause of um, consternation and they're going to have to increase their their presence uh, here on our world because so long as we were just content to um, um, attack each other and limit our conflagrations to the planet Earth. And it, it was of, uh, of, of little concern to them. But uh, now that we've stepped up the game, so to speak, um, um, they have to do likewise. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, and then there are also quite a few other uh, uh extraterrestrials that are helping and some not, are not helping they're doing just the opposite um, did you discuss any of that with the Venusians oh yes um, and they've had to um, they've had to intervene to stop that and protect the sovereignty of the earth in our in our own um, um, planetary integrity um, several times in the in the the annals of uh, Earth's history, mm-hmm. both in recorded history and pre-recorded times, and of course there are, <clears throat> excuse me, tapestries uh, that show flying saucers in droves. <laughs> <laughs> that seems oh, pretty oh, obvious. Yes. <laughs> and well, in my Venus book, I I just do the Venus connection, so I talk right. about. Um, about um, uh, the Caesars and their connection with the uh, with the House of Venus and um, uh, 
the the son of uh, the son of the goddess Venus Aeneas, and uh, who was a, tr- a Trojan general that led a contingent following the Battle of Troy to establish the Roman Empire, um, and um, then the the Cathars, the Merovingians, um, all the way to uh, uh, all the way to the uh, to the present time. So I look at people like um, like Dante, who in the third and ninth cantos of the Il Paradiso, um, uh, he explains about uh, the angelic life that exists on Venus and his his trip there with the, his beloved um, consort Beatrice, and then um, and then uh, others like Emanuel um, Swedenborg who is a great uh, scientist and a theologian uh, from Sweden. Mm-hmm. And um, he wrote a book about life on other planets back in the 18th century, mm-hmm. or, or the 17th century, I think. And uh, he, um, uh, he went to great detail about the life on Venus and said it was the most spiritually advanced of all the worlds. And it was sort of a training ground for souls um, where before they would come to earth, mm-hmm. they'd have to be, well, I guess they'd have to be briefed, you know, about the experiences they're about to un- undergo there um, on that planet. And then um, after about 12 or 13 incarnations, um, you know, going around the zodiac, so to speak, the different signs being born under each one in a different time frame. Um, then when they, they've learned whatever lessons they need to before returning to uh, Venus or being assigned to other some other celestial realm that, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's, that's what they have to do. Wow, are there any special breathing apparatus uh, due to any difference in uh, pressure or the makeup of the uh, air that they breathe? Well, um, uh, the the bi- biomagnetic properties of the the gases in the Venusian atmosphere allow for uh, oxygen and other uh, other breathable gases, nitrogen and so forth, to remain at the uh, at the lower level. And then uh, in my book, Rockets to Venus, uh, Final Countdown, Rockets to Venus, I look at um, the actual findings and uh, documented findings uh, to prove that physical life at moderate temperatures can can exist on certain parts of the uh, of the Venusian surface. Um, for example, the the uh, the uh, the radiometer medi- uh, readings for the the atmosphere indicated that the uh, that the high temperatures were were actually electrical heat in the oh. um, in the ionosphere and they weren't on the uh, weren't on the surface uh, and um, uh, we had space probes from Russia from with their Venera probes uh, Japan with the Akatsuki probe. Uh, the European Union with the Venus Express and of course the Mariner and uh, the Mariner probes to Venus and the Magellan flyby of the United States and countless others. 
But there have been 44 space probes um, sent to Venus uh, by these four nations, and that, that's more than even to the moon or any yeah. other orb in this in the solar system. So, true, true. Uh, you know, if um, if Venus was this dead, lifeless world that they, they want us to believe it is, what I call the vast Venus conspiracy, then, then why are they spending all this time and effort to um, um, uh, to explore Venus if it's um, you know if it's such a terrible place like they 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 say it is? But it reminds me of the Bible because. Uh, in um, in the Garden of Eden, um, there were angels placed to guard the way uh, of the Tree of Life to mm. and and to isolate uh, to isolate the paradisical world from from the uh, from the the other dreary world that surrounded them. So, <laughs> uh, I think that same kind of scenario is is going on today. But I have, you know, the rockets to Venus, the final countdown rockets to Venus. That one has um, uh, information from Project White Stork, okay, which was a, a top secret uh, Air Force project uh, to monitor um, the search for extraterrestrial life in the former Soviet Union. Oh and, yeah, uh, and uh, so it documents. Um, what they discovered, what they really discovered, like scientists like Kozarev who discovered vegetation toward the North Pole of Venus, and uh, this all kinds of amazing stuff in there that's all documented, and um, it's there if people want to um, avail themselves of it. I hope, uh, I, I hope they will. Mm-hmm. Well, right. anyway, a lot of people they don't, you know, they don't believe it. But um, but uh, some that have worked for NASA and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory have have told me that uh, that yep, right on. You, you got you, you know you you got it. But they can't come out and say and say say these things. And if they if people don't believe it, that's all right. I mean, if they read the book, uh, they'll at least find it enlightening and and de- and definitely enter- entertaining. Absolutely, and plus, it opens new possibilities of thinking. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes I know my own mind gets stuck in a certain way of uh, creating things or thinking about things, and so when I'm reading a science fiction or a book or your, you know, books that are factual, um, I've had several uh, people on the show recently who have been lifelong abductees or contactees with the Greys, and so. <clears throat> That opens up my imagination uh, to a, a much larger uh, reality, and uh, that has practical value. Oh yes, and uh, and I would say that uh, when people are reading science fiction, mm-hmm. um, that um, they look at that um, with a deeper lens because um, mm-hmm. a lot of science fiction, when we go back into um, into the history of science fiction or just literature in, in general, we find a lot of clues that this is a little bit more than just um, mm-hmm. just a, a science fiction adventure story. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, like Gulliver's Travels, mm-hmm. uh, um, 
talks about the two moons of Mars um, be before we ever discovered that they were there. <laughs> uh, Jules Verne and his, um, you know, in the voyage to the moon, uh, he, he has the rocket going from Florida. Uh, he has it, the, the weight of the rocket ship within 200 pounds, which is, you know, more or less the weight of one astronaut with his gear. And, um, just, uh, just, uh, uh, even George Adamski was, um, uh, he was one of the first prominent contactees with the Venusian on the 20th of November, 1952 at Desert Center, California. But in 1949, he wrote his science fiction book, um, <laughs> Pioneers of Space. Oh. And, um, uh, he said that when he, when he wrote that book, uh, it was about a journey to the moon, Mars, and Venus. And uh, he, he he explained that when he wrote that book back in 1959, he was, um, you know, he was already a member of Bo um, Borderland Sciences Research Association, Mead Lane's group down in San Diego. Mm -hmm. uh, he um, conducted metaphysical and theosophical classes in Laguna Beach, California. Um, the um, Grand Order of Tibet, mm. and um, he he believed that he was in telepathic communication, or he was receiving um, visual imagery mm -hmm. uh, from 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 beyond the earth mm -hmm. when when he did that. And l later on in um, 1948, in Fate Magazine, uh, he. Um, uh, took some amazing pictures of flying saucers and a mothership and everything. Oh. And thousands of people saw that in Southern California from San Diego up. And uh, he said that um, uh, he, both he and, and uh, Mead Lane and Mark Probert and some others in the, um, in the um, uh, borderland sciences uh, were receiving telepathic uh, uh communication like a tensor link a direct transmission rather than just mere imagery um to where to be uh and uh what time to be outside uh with their telescopes and everything so that they could take pictures uh, of the spacecraft mm. of the venusian spacecraft um how <clears throat> I, I know it's probably hard to make an assessment about this but how advanced do you think that their uh, spacecraft were in comparison to, uh, well, uh, let's just say uh, our own, <laughs> our own uh, medieval devices? Okay. Um, well, um, one of the things that they're um, that they've explained is that we're on the verge of um, of many great things. We have we have tremendous uh, potential and possibilities, but they have to keep a watch on us because we're just putting our our toes into the shore of the cosmic ocean, mm -hmm. and um, uh, our but our spiritual maturity hasn't matched our technology yet, mm -hmm. and so they're very very concerned about this and they're watching, um, they they're watching us closely. That's why they were hesitant to share technology um an emissary named valiant thor came to earth oh yeah in 1957 to 
1960, um, his, 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 uh, mothership, the Victor One, was followed all across the world. And, um, and it was noted, uh, uh, the, the presence of a satellite around the Earth. This uh, is even before the Sputnik. There's articles about satellites and, uh, uh, Donald and Kehoe investigated some of these. I have newspaper clippings from Chicago and different places about the, about these mysterious satellites and then a huge ship, um, in a polar orbit, uh, which we didn't really have, uh, polar orbits until, um, much later in our satellite program, uh, called the Black Knight. And, uh, it's all documented in the first book, um, uh, Venus Rising, a Concise History of the Second Planet, about the Black Knight. But anyway, uh, Valiant Thor went to um, Washington, D.C., and um, he he wanted to share technology, but but uh, the, the uh, people of Earth weren't quite ready. Um, nations weren't ready yet. They wanted to co-opt this technology for uh, for militaristic ends. And uh, so he did, but he did share um, some research about uh, the survivability in space of the, the the human species and space medicine and um, some peaceful applications of space. And um, and, and later on in 1966, uh, protocols for the demilitarization of outer space were established in the United Nations and signed the signatories of. Uh, of many nations. Unfortunately, we've taken a little step uh, back from that with this provocative um, space force. Um, we don't need the, the, the military in, in space. Um, it, it should be like Antarctica. It should be um, deemed sectioned off for, um, uh, for peaceful uh, exploration and scientific advancement. So it's yeah. a little disheartening to um, to see that uh, that uh, a, lo- a lot of uh, space has been moved to, into military circles. Yes, I agree with you totally, and uh, I'm I'm also curious about Antarctica because I know that there's a lot up there. Um, there's rumors about a a very large uh, ship that was buried under the ice and. Uh, I think it's three miles long or something, and it's still running. And uh, there's all kinds of things that are uh, said to be there, but um, nobody knows for sure. <clears throat> Do you have any uh, insight into that? Well, there are um, there are um, in the Venusian presence on Earth. We have various um, uh, safe houses scattered um, scattered everywhere, uh-huh. and um, also there are vast uh, network of caverns uh, under the earth not only by uh, uh, manned by Venusians but with other uh, uh, spacefaring uh, spacefaring peoples as well as as under the sea and uh, above the sea there are floating there are floating cities but they are um, but they're cloaked mm-hmm. they have a, a cloaking technology and um, there's been uh, examples out at sea where uh, uh, pilots and ships in distress have uh, mysteriously disappeared and then 
reappeared later because uh, uh, they were captured in a in a tractor beam and taken a, taken inside one of these uh, one of these cities. Oh, wow! But uh, I could tell you. I mean, I was in the military and both the navy and the um, and the army. Uh, I'm, I'm a retired veteran, uh, but wow. uh, in the in the military we have. Um, uh, you know, various levels of, of uh, classification and secrecy, and it's all very compartmentalized. So that there are some things that even the, the president doesn't know about. It's all based on, on what's called uh, need to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my job didn't involve anything to do with um, flying saucers or anything. I was a Spanish uh, a linguist, uh, mostly down in central Central America, um, so I, but I, I did see some objects down there while I was down da- down there, but uh, but it wasn't in a, in any official um, capacity. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, do you feel that uh, all of this information that's coming out, uh, your own information, which is priceless, and the people who have had lifelong uh, experiences with other uh, races. Um, do you feel like this is all kind of leading up to a, um, oh, let's say a, uh, a revelation about all of this uh, going on? Because uh, clearly there is a lot more activity than um, anybody thinks or knows. And of course, most people don't even think about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I see, I see what you mean, Lance. Um, yeah. Well, when we look at the when when we look at the words of, of Paul, who who had a lot of a lot of Gnostic leanings in some mm-hmm. some cases, he said that uh, uh, he said to the other apostles and disciples when they were in conference, uh, he he said, um, you know, we we have to be careful when we're Talking about high spiritual concepts to 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 the people, um, because they're you know they're essentially like babes. We can't give them meat to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to start them off with uh, w- with milk, something that's easy to digest. Mm-hmm. So what we see is um, what we see in ufology um, is a gradual um, how would I, a gradual disclosure. Um, right, right. Enough that the people can with, um, withstand it and, uh, and, and take it in. And then we see various memes being dropped in the worlds of, uh, of, uh, of science fiction and, uh, and also scientific journals and just about everywhere an increasing number of, uh, uh, of memes that are dropping into our consciousness to prepare mm. us for, uh, for this um, contact um, that's that's coming, and I believe though that um, that the contacts are expanding uh, greatly on an individual level, and uh, the fact that on the Earth about two hundred twenty thousand people disappear every year, uh, and I did an, a series of articles for Lon Strickler's phantomsandmonsters.com called the disappearing ufo experiencers mm. and uh, these are individuals many of them who are being translated or taken up bodily 
just like um, oh yes, yeah, just like Enoch in the days of the of the Bible. They're being mm-hmm. taken up literally uh, to go live and work on other um, uh, other planets. Yep, and uh, these are people that have key knowledge uh, on Earth uh, of things that would be useful um, to the to the Venusians. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, in the f- third and fourth dimension, uh, it's physical like ours. There are other uh, Venusians from higher dimensions uh, that come and go and are w- well known by the by the physical Venusians. But the ones who who do live in this physical reality, la- largely under uh, underground, um, there's only about a population of five million, so they need the uh, they need the help of um, of agriculturalists and, and and others from uh from time to time so in my book i talk about various people who've done that who've gone to venus and helped them out uh, a russian farmer um and uh, just uh, uh, many others so i think it people will be uh pleasantly surprised when they when they read these books yes Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, it's—I <clears throat> notice that some things that I have picked up in other books uh, individually uh, are all pretty much covered in your books. And I, even though I haven't read all three thoroughly yet, I have, uh, you know, been scanning them and looking for uh, information for the show, and. I've noticed that, uh, you know, you do go into the various, uh, forms that, uh, this takes. And, uh, you know, for a long time, I was only thinking that the uh, UFOs were in the sky. And somebody said, uh, somewhere, uh, well, why wouldn't you think that they would be able to go into the oceans? Uh, they have more underground, uh, uh flights than, than they do, uh, ones that go into the skies. And it made me think that, well, yes, that's, of course that would make sense, and uh, you know, I I need to be uh, more open to other possibilities. And uh, you know, I I was I was assuming that they've been here from the beginning, or somebody has been here from the beginning visiting. Oh, oh yes, um, they've had knowledge of us since even before the evolution of of, of humankind. Mm-hmm. About 18.5 million years ago, um, by the reckoning of our time, um, we we were known as the planet of the lemurs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, the, the lemurs were the highest form of sentient life on the earth. So, oh, so boy. we've come a we've come a long way uh, with, with a little help, genetically speaking. <laughs> uh, yes, and also a little dampening too. <laughs> to keep us from getting too smart. <laughs> yes, uh, sometimes we, when we've gotten ahead of ourselves, like Atlantis and Lemuria, we yeah. had to be put back a peg or two. Yeah, the, darn that ambition <laughs> and greed and power. <laughs> well, of course, we see that in politics and uh, corporate life today. Uh, it's pretty much a game of the whole game here is pretty much about who has the most, uh, you know, uh, toy cars. And, uh, then some people have quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the Venusian system of economics is, it's quite simple. They, 
They don't use money per per se, mm-hmm. um, but they use a system of of of, of credits. So let, let me explain it. Um, okay. Basically, um, uh, Commander Ora Rains explained that um, that here on uh, uh, here on Earth we squabble over the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. um, that that fall from the master's table, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, like from from a pie, and we don't even get a slice of pie. We have to mm-hmm. fight over the the, the, the crumbs, mm-hmm. and um, the. The Venusians have l- long ago determined that the answer is simply to just keep baking more pies so everybody's satisfied, get whatever the, they want. In fact, on, on Venus, they have a, a department of happiness to make sure that this is so. Well, that makes a heck of a lot of sense to me. <laughs> 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 Much more of a sensible idea. <laughs> Uh, well, Nik- Nikola Tesla, who mm-hmm. was uh, uh, incarnated here on the Earth plane from from Venus, and oh. in my book I I go into detail about that, the Tesla scope, communications with the Venusians, uh, his son in Canada when they they encountered a flying saucer, um, all kind of uh, things. But in 1926. Um, in Collier's magazine, a reporter by the name of Kennedy uh, interviewed Tesla to, uh, as a futurist to talk mm-hmm. about the future of, of, of humankind and the direction that we're, that we're going in or, or that mm-hmm. uh, Tesla hoped we, we would go in. And he said that um, the most perfect organization of society was collectively like a beehive. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he wrote... Uh, um, detailed um, um, entries uh, and notes about bees and and uh, the structure of beehives and so forth. And uh, and it's interesting that uh, in his Tesla scope in 1898, he announced his first communications with extraterrestrials was with uh, with some uh, some kind of bees on Venus. And I, so I have the article there, uh, a reference from the New York Times in the uh, in the Venus Rising uh, Venus Rising book, and um, wow. and also um, excerpts from that article that was in Collier's of, of, with the interview from uh, from from Tesla. So he, he was saying that the collective organization of society, and then. Uh, uh, a willing to mm-hmm. to set ego aside and to compromise, just like the bees do when they when they negotiate which direction to go um, to you know collect the the nectar and and so forth. So all all of this is um, very important that, that we can uh, that we can learn from the what what. What some of us call the lowly insects, but, oh, but really they're, they're emissaries of the Most High, so we should protect them absolutely and, and honor them at all costs. One one of the things I'm worried about in that regard um, is the um, the this recent uh, technological um, 5G situation. Yes, uh, because the the um, 
the uh, the signal from the the 5G interferes with the internal guidance system of of, well, Ray, of honey. Uh, I hate to uh, interrupt you, but <clears throat> we're out of time, and um, I think we'd be really smart if we uh, did another show in uh, a convenient time for you to come back, and we could start where right where we leave off. Okay, well that would be ideal. Thank you very okay. much, uh, Lance, for uh, for your time and contacting me and organizing uh, uh, this broadcast. And uh, uh, cosmic blessings to you and to all your listeners. Oh, thank you. And uh, we're learning a lot. And uh, we, a little teaser, we're gonna we're gonna learn something about Paradise, California, in chapter uh, three uh, or chapter five of book three. Oh yes, that book was written two years before the fire, uh-huh. and it de- it details extensively the development of the first flying saucer club in the uh-huh. United States, yeah. and uh, all kind of flying saucer activity, including yeah. with the Venusian presence in the beautiful city of Paradise, which so I was invited there, and I went to the public library and did a um, did a well received presentation from the very friendly people there well we'll be talking about that in our future shows and i will be in touch with you and we'll uh, find a good time for you and we'll uh, set that up and i just want to thank you so much for sharing your your uh, knowledge and wisdom with us oh you're quite welcome lance all right good night andrew and good night uh, raymond and good night uh, everybody